Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of That's Entertaining. This week, we will be discussing Sherlock Season 2, Episode 3, The Reichbach Fall? Man, I still can't say it. Um, but joining <laughs> me to discuss it is one Mr. Seth Roy. Seth, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I, You said Episode 3. I thought, I thought that was the one where uh, Anakin turned into Darth Vader. Yes, but uh, that was season one, technically, episode three, so... Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, you were a little late to that one. Sorry. <laughs> but hey, uh, since this is your first time on the program, why don't you let people know what you have been doing recently, and maybe some of your... Well, why would people want to listen to your opinion on Sherlock, first off? Well... Um... As far as Sherlock goes, uh, I like Sherlock Holmes a lot. Uh, I like the books. I haven't read necessarily all the stories, but I've read a lot of them. Um, my cat is named Sherlock because when he showed up at our house, uh, I was reading Sherlock, and he hopped up on the book. Um, and uh, and I've seen most of the newer, more recent movies and the TV shows between the Robert Downey Jr. movies, BBC Sherlock, and the CBS show Elementary, um, and some of the older older ones too. But uh, I just like Sherlock Holmes and like those stories and like the character. And in No Man's Sky, you were naming all of your discoveries after Sir Othung Author... Ugh. Arthur Colin Doyle titles, right? Yes, yes, in No Man's Sky. I, uh, uh, there is a galaxy called the Doyle, or star system called the Doyle star system, and um, there's one world with the Lost World, and then another one with a bunch of Sherlock Holmes references. Somewhere around 170,000 uh, light years from the sun. Or from the center of the universe, I should say. So Very I'll probably cool. never find it again. <laughs> <laughs> it's lost to time. Well, yes. what we usually do, Seth, because I know you're a listener, and you listen to every episode. You've actually gone back and listened from episode one, so I appreciate that. Thank you. And we talk about what we've been entertained by recently. So, sir, what have you been, aside from Sherlock, entertained by recently? Well, um been entertained by a number of video games uh mainly right now nba 2k17 um where i created the new thing this year is you can expand the league and create an expansion team so i created an expansion team and um i am terrible so far but i'm hoping to get a lot better um so i'm doing that on the video game front also got a 3ds recently and have been playing Animal Crossing quite a bit. Um, on the watching uh, portion, um, 
we're not as much uh, movie watchers. We tend to watch a lot of TV shows uh, just because the shorter format fits better for us. But uh, just uh, the new season of Brooklyn Nine-Nine started uh, this week, and it was a really funny first episode. And then I also convinced my wife to watch the original Star Trek series with me. Um, so we've watched the first two episodes of the original Star Trek series, which I've never seen before. So that's kind of what I've been doing the past week or two. Wife, will you watch these shows with me? Yes. Is that the way you asked her? You should have asked her just like that. <laughs> no. I don't know if she would have gotten that one. <laughs> well, maybe eventually she will. So gaming, lots of gaming, obviously, for you. And, yeah, the new seasons uh, have started, haven't they, of the shows? Um one thing that I watched recently, so because I think I think that you were done with your entertaining segment, so I'll segue into mine. Yeah. One thing I've been watching or did watch was the a return of Agents of Shield. I think this is season four now that they're in, and uh, they started this one off. It was actually a pretty decent episode. I was kind of surprised by uh, I, how I enjoyed it, and it uh, doesn't feel like a lot of the ones that came before it. And I do know that they slotted their time back an hour or so. So now they have a little bit later time slot so they can have a little more freedom, I guess, of what they show. So they went right in with Ghost Rider. He is now on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He is officially part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, but this is not the Nicolas Cage, Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider. It is a, I think his name is Robbie Ray's uh, Ghost Rider. He drives a car, uh, a Dodge Charger specifically, I think, around and that's kind of the intro of him was this last uh for the first episode of the season really cool i uh i thought that they did a good job honestly with some of the cg because it's tv you don't really expect too much but Mm -hmm. i thought that they did a pretty decent job with it are you sir into comics much uh i like comic book movies and the like but um not uh, not a ton we actually watched the started watching the first season of agents of shield and just couldn't quite get into it um and really with the i'm more uh i, I would say i'm more of a dc fan but really I, I like batman is the only real dc stuff that i like um and uh and i like the marvel movies but there have been so many of them and I, that I that I'm starting to feel lost. Have you seen them? All? Um, I have not seen them all. Um, uh, we saw I saw all the Phase One movies, and then I want to say I've seen each of the Captain Americas, and I've seen. Have there been two Avengers? Yes. Okay, I've seen both Avengers movies, and I've seen each of the Captain Americas. I think I've seen just the first Thor. That's the only one you need to see. The second Thor is terrible. Okay. And uh, Iron Man. I saw the one. I saw the first one, which I thought was awesome. And I saw the one with Mickey Rourke. Mickey the Rourke. That is Uh, two. I think that I'm not sure that I saw three. Um, The first one uh, I saw at a drive-in theater. Uh, went there to see Indiana Jones in the Crystal Skull, which I enjoyed. I understand that people don't, but I, I enjoyed that one. But um, Iron Man was the double feature that night, and it blew 
Indiana Jones out of the water, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, So eventually, kind of along the timeline, we had one daughter and then a second daughter, and our movie going and watching time has dropped off precipitously. Oh, you can take him to the theater. Just tell him to be quiet. Right. So so when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. came around, uh, it was kind of in that time where we hadn't seen any of the second wave of movies yet. Uh, so we were pretty lost. In all fairness, that first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. would really alienate everybody. So don't feel too mm. bad. Um, the the best stuff, though, with, with Marvel seems to... Netflix, the stuff they put out the, on there, which you don't have to have any context on, really... Uh, you can just go in and watch. There's two seasons of Daredevil. There's Jessica Jones. And coming very soon is the Luke Cage story. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that if you were looking for a spot to kind of get in that doesn't really matter where you are in the movie timeline, you can go and check out those because they kind of exist. Yeah, they're in the same universe. And they reference some things from the Avengers movies, but uh, not really a ton. So you can just enjoy them i mean they're they're good stories that kind of stand on their own yeah i have seen i think i watched the first half of uh the first season of daredevil and then just other stuff came up and i stopped Um, but i would like to get back to that sometime yeah first season i think was pretty good the second season was pretty decent as well jessica jones isn't my cup of tea but it's it's not bad either I'm looking forward to Luke Cage mm-hmm. to see what they do with that. I've heard a lot of good things so far. That's coming like really soon. It's this month, uh, so it's coming okay. out soon. Yeah, there was a good interview with the creator of Luke Cage and the lead actor in uh, the most recent issue of Wired magazine. Um, it was just an interesting, I, and I don't know anything about Luke Cage, but it was an interesting look at the character and what made these people interested in um, telling a story about Luke Cage. Yeah. Very cool. I'm looking forward to checking that out. It's it's high on my list of stuff to watch on Netflix for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, I've been entertained by uh, with The Voice. Do you watch The Voice at all? Do not. Uh, do not watch The Voice. Can't stand Miley Cyrus. <laughs> um, our, uh, our reality show of the summer was American Ninja Warrior. Uh, yeah, I watched a little bit of that. I didn't watch every episode, but a little bit of it I've watched. That's a pretty good uh, show, too. I was yeah. kind of disappointed at the end when, uh, I won't say what happened, but, you know, just kind of disappointed at the end. Yeah, yeah, the end was a bit underwhelming. Yeah. But, but that, I mean, do? that's kind of, the, kind of the neat thing about that show, though, is, mm-hmm. you know, it's because it's not scripted, it, you know, the... We this is the first year we've watched it, and the one girl who's like on the cover on Hulu, who they promoted all season, Kate, uh, Katie or Casey Catanzaro, whatever her name is, she during her first run bombed on like the second or third um, obstacle. And it's just mm-hmm. kind of you know usually you you watch a show and they promote the heck out of somebody and you kind of know they're going to go pretty far, but in here. Um, it could all be over in a second. So uh, we got, we watched most of the episodes and we were entertained by it. Cool. That's what you got. That's what you want, right? Something to be entertained by. Um, 
other than that, I mean, I haven't really watched a lot of TV recently. Uh, but I did play a little bit of Destiny, the Rise of Iron expansion. Uh, how I dived into that. How how is that? Um, so far it's pretty good. I mean, it's fun just to be back in with the friends that you have made. You know, it's been a while since I played Destiny. Uh, I I went into retirement, you know, a while back, and then I was brought in back in the Taken King, and now I'm brought in back in now with the Rise of Iron. It's good to go back and play with your friends. Uh, as far as the story goes. The cutscenes are really cool, but other than that, the storytelling on Destiny just has never been there. It's there. What you get is a voiceover telling you from your ghost, telling you stories, or you get a radio telling you stuff. It's not really engaging storytelling. Basically, yeah. you're focusing on the gameplay because the gameplay is great. You're focusing on yep. that, and that's what you should focus on. But it, you kind of get lost in the actual story of what's happening because the the storytelling just doesn't work in this game for some reason. And I, I feel like there's a, a, a great story just waiting to be told there, but they just haven't been able to tell it properly. And I, I don't know why, but uh, it's it's really a cool um, addition to have some of the, the powers and stuff that they have now. And it's great just to be back in with friends, like I said. And the other thing is that's kind of cool is they have a really great set of cutscenes, like I said, with the, with the expansion. So when they do do those, like when you first start off and you go and they tell you the background of the Rise of Iron and all that jazz, it's actually a pretty cool visual uh, to tell that story. Mm-hmm. So it's neat. Um, I'll report back more on that later, I'm sure. And then I rented, because I had a free rental uh, from one of our local video stores, and on Sunday, I think it was, maybe it was, maybe it was Monday, I can't remember. But uh, I rented a game called Deus Ex, Mankind Divided, and I played maybe 20 minutes of that so far since I rented it on Sunday, <laughs> and it's due back tomorrow. <laughs> so I, I just haven't had a lot of time to, to get to that to play that, but I I loved the Human Revolution one before it, and this one, it looks good, and it looks like it's more of what I remember. So I'm looking forward to it, but I'll probably, you know, after I get done with a rental, I'll just wait until after Black Friday and I'll probably buy it eventually. Um, yeah. But I, I want to get a taste in of it to at least, you know, kind of satiate that need. And I think I'm good to, at this point, maybe play it a little bit more before I have to return it, but I'll return it and then maybe just buy it when it comes out, or not when it comes out, when it comes past my game buying hiatus. Uh, and I will uh, be able to check it out with, with no timed, you know, I have to play it before here or turn back right. here. Because, you know, I don't know about you, but renting games when I was younger, I always did because it was great, and I would kind of force myself to play through stuff. Anymore, though, if I rent a game, stuff happens, and I can't actually play it. So right. I, yeah. I kind of don't like renting games. I like just buying them and playing them at my own pace, and then, you know, trading them in if I buy a physical copy, if I so desire, or whatever. Just I like playing it at my own pace. Yeah, I, I get that. Um we I get games occasionally from the library, especially if it's a game that I'm absolutely not sure that I'm gonna want to purchase, like The Order 1886, um, the PlayStation exclusive that kind of bombed last year. Um, that I was glad I'm glad that I played it, but I never would have wanted to pay for it. But I got it from the library, and I had one night that I could set aside to play it. And I played it for like six hours and I don't know that if it's 
because it was a terrible game or because I had to play it so compressed that, you know, I didn't like it a whole lot other than it looked really pretty. <laughs> but I also know that it didn't get great reviews. So, yeah, it's one of those games where um, I haven't played it, but I have that on my PlayStation 4. It's one of those games that I want to get around to, but I do like that it's only six hours or whatever it is to beat it because I kind of like those smaller bite games. Uh, yeah. Time is fleeting anymore when I get to, you know, our age. And it's just you got a lot more responsibilities. And, you know, I love, absolutely love games that take a lot of time like The Witcher. They have great storytelling in them. But, man, mm-hmm. it takes 100 at least hours to get through this with the witcher especially if you look at the dlc and you want to do everything in the game like i do because i'm a completionist in a way so yeah. it's it's one of those things where you know there's a lot of games that come out like inside or firewatch or these games that are i, I hesitate to call them bite size but you know that are ah what's the word i'm looking for compact i guess we could, we could say that and playing through those because you get a good story, you get a good game, and you get a satisfied conclusion that you can experience without forgetting the beginning of it and mm-hmm. complete in a reasonable time frame. And a lot of gamers, I think, there's a lot that are, I think, our age that are working, that have family commitments, that have other things outside of work or games that they do, volunteering and things like that. And for us, it makes a lot of sense to have these smaller bite-sized chunks, and that's really what I prefer these days, which is crazy because, you know, looking back when I was younger, games that took at least 20 hours were what I wanted, right? But right. now, man, if it's if it's four hours, six hours, I'm in. Like, I love the Telltale games with episodic releases because usually it takes two hours, and you can beat that in a night. So, you know, every month or every couple months when they come out, you get down and you get to sit down and play that, and you experience that story. I like that. I really mm-hmm. enjoy that storytelling method now. Yeah, me too. I I liked. Uh, did have you? Did you play Firewatch recently? I have not yet, but I am actually okay. going to be reviewing that for PlaySomeVideoGames.com very soon. Okay. I I thought that I thought that was coming up, but um, like I really liked that. You know, like you said, it's I don't know if it's five or six hours, something like that. It's in a. Uh, it's looks beautiful has some decent storytelling uh some different storytelling mechanics for a video game and and you're in and you're out in five to six hours and it gives you some stuff to think about um like that or or uh, uh the chinese room what are their games uh dear esther was just released on playstation 4 and the rapture game everybody's gone to the rapture which i really liked um just because you can get in and get out. And that's kind of why I like, you know, we're going to get into the BBC Sherlock. Um, though the seasons of that are three episodes. And yes, they're kind of movie length episodes, or they are movie length episodes, but it's three episodes. You are setting aside three nights over the course of a month, and then you're done. Um, not like, um, we spent the whole summer watching the first four seasons of Elementary, uh, which we really liked, obviously. Um, but uh, that's, I don't even know how much, four seasons, that's what, 80, 90 hours, something like that? Um, for, or versus the BBC Sherlock, it's nice to get in, get a succinct story that is focused most of the time. And 
get out. Um, so I so I agree with you on the on the shorter games nowadays. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned it, so let's hop in. Let's get to our entertaining thoughts. The Reichbach Fall? Reichenbach. 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 I can't say that word. Reichenbach. Uh, This is Season 2, Episode 3, the season finale for Season 2, and what could have been the series finale. And we'll get your thoughts on that, Seth, as we continue on. So full spoilers, ladies and gentlemen, as always, with our discussion here. Seth, why don't you go ahead and tell us what you thought of this episode and any extra little tidbits that you know about the story that it's based on from the original works. So, um, we watched, uh, we caught on to the BBC Sherlock sometime after the first season aired, but before the second season came over to the United States. Um, so we kind of, binge watched the first season and then that was like just in time to start watching the second season. And, uh, and I just remember at the time it was a, obviously a shocking episode. It it ends in a shocking way about 10 minutes before the actual end of the episode. Um, and, uh, just kind of includes a lot of things that I enjoy about the, the series as a whole. And uh, I just rewatched it again today, and it's the first time uh, I've seen the BBC Sherlock since that uh, the extra episode that was aired sometime over the winter, The Abominable Bride. Is that? Yep. Is that the, the most? The Abominable uh, Bride. Abominable Bride, which um, maybe spoiler alert for that, but I didn't exactly care for. Um, it was fine, but whatever. Um, so, so that, that's my most recent, had been my most recent exposure to BBC Sherlock. So it was neat today to go back into this specific episode, even after hearing you talk about it over the past few weeks, um, the show as a whole, but to actually watch this episode and really just get right into the interplay between Sherlock and Watson and Lestrade and, uh, Mrs. Hudson um, and then, of course, between Sherlock and Moriarty, um, just it's just great acting. Um, and it was it's a lot of fun to watch the acting and, and just all the context clues that the show gives you. Um, but on my my kind of first thought in um, when I turned on the episode and, and saw that it was called the Reichenbach Fall, the uh, Reichenbach Falls is the name uh, there's uh, the the story is called the final problem, um, the original Arthur Conan Doyle story. And in that story, spoiler alert for 150 year old book, something like that. Um, in that story, Sherlock and Moriarty um, kind of meet up at this waterfall called the Reichenbach Falls, and they tumble over the edge and are at least presumed are are dead. 
That's a scene um, out of the Abominable Woman or Abominable Bride. Is it? Yes, that's right. That's right. So, so that scene, that's correct. Yes, I forgot about that. I knew that I'd seen that imagery somewhere. Um, so that's so that's what the the name of the episode is referencing. That fall from the water in um, uh, in the final problem. Um, so I thought, you know, just the name uh, of the episode should have been a clear clue to anybody who knew the source material, what was going to happen. Um, and, uh, typically, and I, I can't think of what the narrative device is called where you start the beginning of an episode where you say, uh, Watson says Sherlock is dead. And then you go back. I don't know if that, I, I'm sure there's a name for that kind of narrative device. I'm but, sure there's a proper name. I just call it like uh, a flashback. Yeah. Typically, I, I'm not a big fan of stories that start at, you know, something shocking, and then you're spending the entire episode or the entire book or whatever just trying to get back to that that point. Like the um, the the written story starts off the same the same way. Um, Watson writes that um, he's going to tell you the story about how Sherlock Holmes died. So then it's like, okay, well, when is it going to happen? Um, and obviously, if it's told in an interesting way, which I think it is in uh, this episode, then it works. Um, there are a lot of shows that don't do it nearly as well. Um, like we were big fans of the the uh, ABC show Castle, um, and they had a lot of episodes that would start off with you know, a murder or with someone getting captured and then it would rewind three hours or whatever. And you're just waiting until the actual event happens because that's the only interesting thing about it. Um, I thought this episode starts off with Watson telling you that Sherlock is dead, but then handles the reveal of how everything happened really well. Um, what, what do you think about stories that start off kind of like that? usually not a fan either i prefer storytelling that is more linear and concise um i mean i'm I'm fine with an event happening let's say like did you ever play mass effect 2 oh yeah so like the opening of mass effect 2 right where it's something happens at the beginning of the of there and this huge yes. thing happens and then you know shepherd is rebuilt let's say and it takes place kind of after that you don't get I'm fine with having like a big shock to start it off and get you sucked in. Uh, I prefer it being in that method like they did in Mass Effect though where something happens and that keys this whole thing off and not something happens 5 minutes from now but let's take you into 50 minutes before this and then get you there eventually. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. Right. So so when I got it gets right in the the start of the episode is is Watson talking to his therapist um and they have a brief conversation, and then he reveals that Sherlock is dead, and then it goes into the uh, title sequence. Um, so, so my my initial thought was like, oh yeah, I forgot about that, and and wasn't excited. But then, um, then it goes into that montage of Sherlock becoming famous um, through that first case being the Reichenbach fall, and and I think it's a painting. Um, and then there's, um, 
you know, just kind of chronicles all of the cases that have made him famous in this version of, of the character. Um, and then uh, after it gets through that, it goes into Moriarty going into this um, art, some sort of art gallery, art museum. The where they Royal had some... Crown Jewels. Okay. The, oh, that's right. The Royal Crown Jewels are on display. And just the way that he carries himself uh, the, as, as the actor, the way that the, mu- the, the music is great probably in the whole show for sure for certain but when during this initial section when moriarty is kind of introduced to this episode and um the the way everything happens in terms of breaking into the royal jewel area then he lets the prison um the the that prison opens up and um I actually I forget exactly what happened there, but um, I know there like disabled. Yeah, security's disabled at the prison. There's a bank that is powered down and broken into, and and so just all these things happen all at once, and um, and you really feel like this guy is in control and is a criminal mastermind because he, he seemingly is. Um, so that was a cool moment. Um, and then just again, just as as a whole, just the reveal. Um, it was interesting watching it, knowing how the story ended because I I never rewatched it previously. Um, You're looking for little clues along the way, right? Right. You you look for clues and also um, looking for references to other Sherlock media whether it's that the show in particular or referencing the original books um like when he's in the in the car uh, in the cab when sherlock gets in the cab by himself uh after um after he gets starts to get kind of accused of kidnapping those kids and that moriarty video plays and it mentions uh, i think moriarty says this is the final problem and you know, of course, that references the the source material. Um, I liked the Hansel and Gretel stuff and thought that was clever uh, with the breadcrumbs and the Grim Brother, uh, Grim Brother fairy tales, and um, just how a lot of that case uh, fit in with the Hansel and Gretel story. Um, so I don't know where you obviously jump in wherever. <laughs> well, I was actually pretty. Pretty fascinated by you know the uh-huh. what you're what you're telling me between the differences. So that Hansel and Gretel storyline is that actually part of uh, the story from originals? Um, like the it is original works. It, it's not part of this core story. I, I'm not sure if there might be something referenced in another Sherlock Holmes story. Um, you know there are dozens of Sherlock Holmes stories, and I haven't. Uh, gotten through them all but it's not one that i that i know of or that i'm familiar with um we'll say one thing was interesting uh because i watched this today and then i read the final problem which is in the book that i have is about 20 pages it's a pretty quick read um and this is very late in the sherlock holmes 
series. Um, you know, and it's when I, I, I believe Arthur Conan Doyle wanted, he was tired of writing Sherlock's home stories. He wanted to kill him off because he wanted to move on to something else. Um, and so it, so it's been a long time that he'd been writing these stories and this at least according to, to Watson, according to the narrator, is the first time that he's ever heard of Moriarty. So Moriarty's not someone who all throughout the Sherlock Holmes story is is the known antagonist, like he is in the BBC series or in Elementary or in the Robert Downey Jr. Uh, Jr. movies. You know, Moriarty is this huge figure that is up against Sherlock, but really he's not introduced in the book until very late in the series. Um, he is mentioned as the, as a mastermind behind a lot of crimes. So, so they, they probably, you know, he ties into earlier stories, but he, as an actual character, isn't introduced until, the final problem, which is something like 30 stories into 20 or 30 stories into the Sherlock Holmes repertoire. What do you think of in the original writings? It was all from Watson's point of view. Like he was writing those stories, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what do you think of how they twisted it with these modern shows with it being more of a blog? Um, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, the way I, I really like the Martin Freeman portrayal of uh, of Watson, and I mean I think it makes sense to you know back back then it was uh, Watson was the narrator, um, but he was keeping it in his own journal, and really blogs are kind of the modern day journal, and then eventually in uh, in the books, and I and I'm hazy on it because I haven't read them for a while. Um, I believe Watson, you know, starts publishing some of the stories possibly under pseudonym and it gets, you know, starts getting Sherlock's name out there a little bit. I could be, I could be way off on that. Um, <laughs> but, but I, th- I think that, you know, there is a parallel there. Um, I also think in most of the shows, well, in, in the two current modern shows, the the BBC Sherlock and the CBS Elementary, um, even though it's Watson's not the narrator, the story is still kind of told through the Watson character in both of them. Most most of the time, and I, it seemed to me in this episode, most of the time Watson was on screen. It, you know, it didn't go. It did go to other characters and, and concentrate on other things, but um, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm explaining it the right way exactly, but it just seems like the action is driven when kind of Watson is around. Like it still is seen through his eyes a lot. Right. Um, and, I, and obviously things happen without him there, such as the final confrontation between Sherlock and Moriarty, um, which if you want to get... Uh, again, to parallels between um, 
that story in the source material, there's a, uh, in the source material, Watson gets called back to the hotel they were just staying at because they got a note that said that there was a very sick woman at the hotel. Watson gets back to the hotel, finds out that the note was a fraud, and then he um, realizes that Moriarty wrote the note, and so he turns back and tries to get back to the to the falls before Moriarty can get there, but just isn't there in time. So um, in this story, do you think it was Sherlock that had that done, or do you think it was Moriarty? Sherlock. I, I in the in the Reichenbach Fall episode, it seemed like it was Sherlock that set up a reason to get um, John away from him because I I think Sherlock knew the whole time that he was going to die um, or what actually whatever actually happened um, well, you know he knew he knew that the he wanted John away so that he could do what he needed needed to do right which Obviously, to those who have seen further episodes, you know something ain't right with Wait, what happens on screen. There's a season three? There is a season three. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and I, uh, I I was also glad they, they went through the, um, the, the jump where Sherlock jumps off the building. And I was glad they didn't just end the season right there, that they did end up showing him kind of at the very end. Um, yeah, because you also get good emotion from Watson at that point, too. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And not getting ahead, but his reaction in season three when he finds out about everything um, is really... I mean, obviously, he's just a really good actor and is just really impassioned and has a lot of anger. Um, and you can see in that here where he's giving his sort of eulogy um, at, at Sherlock's gravestone, you know, it's it's a righteous anger when he's angry later on. Mm-hmm. But in fairness, he did ask for him not to be dead. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So, as a whole, this episode, personally, I thought it was very engaging the whole way through. It was really good. You know, he he had a storyline where he f he found the kids, he, and there was the, um, you know, the added thing about them killing themselves in a way because of what they were eating. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I thought that that was a pretty clever, like you, uh, pretty clever storytelling. And then you also had, you know, him using his perceptive abilities to kind of di di diagnose or just identify, you know, the people in the courtroom and things like that. And it's just, you know, it, it's again, the complete package when you have Lestrade, when you have uh, Sherlock and you have Watson all kind of on the same episode and, you know, you throw Mrs. Hudson and um, Moriarty in there too. This is just going to be a great episode. Uh, to me, this is probably the best of the Sherlock episodes uh, what what do you think about that? Uh, again, having having not watched them all um, more recently, it certainly is the one that sticks in my mind the most. Um, you know, just 
listening to you go through them again, you know, things pop out to me uh, now. But but this episode, I knew going into it, I remembered it very well. Um, it's a uh, you know, I remembered the Hansel and Gretel case and, and the kids, and I remembered the bits and pieces of it a lot better than I've remembered some of the other episodes. So that in itself makes it seem like um, a good episode or maybe, I don't know if that means it's the best episode or what, but certainly the most memorable um, for me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and part of that I'm sure is it, it's very shocking when Moriarty pulls out the gun and, and shoots himself. <laughs> um, it's just as a, not even because I wasn't necessarily expecting it, but just it just happened so fast. Yeah, um, it did. And, and there's no, you know, usually in 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 shows or in movies or whatever, when you have that sort of thing happen, you know, the person puts the gun to their head and then and then they give their um their reasons or you know they there's a lot of talking after that. There it was just. Moriarty came to this realization and just moved on what he thought he had to do to destroy Sherlock. Mm-hmm. And obviously Sherlock beat him at the game because, you know, Moriarty's gone now at this point. And then, but to save everybody that you know, he cares about, you know, Lestrade, Mrs. Hudson, and, and Watson, he decides to go ahead and jump off of the building and i mean i remember when this came out because for the longest time people were saying how did he survive how did they survive there were all these um these theories that popped up online you know when Mm -hmm. when things when this was going down so you know seeing him alive at the end was very uh a nice touch that made you think about it that didn't necessarily close out the series but it could have i mean if they if they wanted to but at that point, and still, I think it's it's a big hit that they um, can keep on delivering great stories. And I mean, really, there's only been one stinker I'd call it out of this uh, show, and that's still like just the second episode of the first season. It just just didn't, still just doesn't jive with me. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I just I think this is a, a well done episode and really really well acted for for this one and. I'm looking forward because it's kind of hazy to me the actual method by which he was able to trick everybody. Yeah, I, I don't remember that either, and uh, and I'm feeling like now that I've watched this, um, I'm almost uh, going to go back and rewatch the whole the whole series now, probably um, just uh, just to kind of get back into the mindset before se- season four comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, although I don't, I don't remember much of, of that episode too. I just the abominable abominable bride. Just I, I didn't care for that one. But um, what is the uh, the girl's name in the hospital that they? Uh, not Sherlock's girlfriend, but his the the person that's in the lab there. Yes. I can't remember her name, um, but she obviously plays a hand in helping him, you know, do this. Yeah, yeah, and I and I 
And I think the first time I watched the episode, I missed, you know, they went and talked and then nothing ever happened after they had their talk. And there, when he finally goes to her and tells her, you know, that he needs her and, and that's what she's been wanting to hear, I think, for the whole time up to then, um, that was a really great scene from him, especially, and also her. Uh, but did you, I think there, in retrospect, is clear foreshadowing there for him going to her for whatever kind of help um, she gives him. Did you catch on to that as any sort of foreshadowing, or oh, yeah. was it just a, a nice scene between them? No. I mean, it's, it's Sherlock. He has no nice scenes like that between anybody. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so he definitely needed her for something. And I mean, I'm not being clear on what happens this. I'm pretty sure he got some sort of body or something for him from her. Yeah, I think so. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how, how that happened, how on the way down he somehow, I don't remember now I'll have to watch the next episode. Mm-hmm. There you go. And we'll be discussing the next episode on That's Entertaining next week. Seth, any final thoughts for this episode or for the Sherlock BBC series in general? Um, no, I don't think so. I think I shared pretty much everything I had. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us, sir. And where can people find you on Twitter if they want to talk everything, sir? Arthur, yeah, Arthur Colin Doyle. Arthur Conan Doyle. Arthur Conan Doyle. <laughs> yes. Arthur um, Colin Doyle. He's he's a different guy. Don't don't talk about him. Yeah, that's the the evil evil twin. That's the Mycroft of the relationship. The Mycroft. Um, he's not evil. Well, depends who you talk to. <laughs> um, uh, on Twitter, I am at Seth Joseph Roy. And uh, I don't actually discuss a ton of Sherlock Holmes on that. but That's about to change. Uh, but if you want to hear about video games, um, terrible professional sports teams that I root for, like the Minnesota Timberwolves, Cleveland Browns, and Jacksonville Jaguars, terrible college teams that I root for, like Kent State, um, you can follow me on at Seth Joseph Roy and also on uh, play some video games website. Um, I have a few things I've written there. I'm just now starting a video series on the PSVG YouTube where I'm going through a uh, GM mode in NBA 2K17 with my created team, the Cincinnati Sunset Riders. Um, so that's where I am online. Um, you did, I did want to circle back um, couple thoughts on the episode um it had some great quotes uh the uh the quote uh, when moriarty is at sherlock's house and and he says the man with the key is king and honey you should see me in a crown and i i don't deliver it the way that it should be delivered of course but um that is just a, it was a really good quote a really good moment and then uh, later on, when Sherlock and Watson are running away from the police after they get arrested and they're handcuffed together, and Sherlock says, take my hand, <laughs> and uh, Watson says, now people will definitely talk, which references a comment that another officer had made to 
to him earlier about kind of referencing Sherlock's sexuality in a subtle way, um, or maybe not so subtle, I don't know. And uh, it just, it was a funny quote, and it referenced something else in the episode, and also the whole hand-holding thing in the middle of this Hansel and Gretel um, sort of sub-story reference, um, I just thought really was some brilliant writing and storytelling. So I... I had those quotes written down. Awesome. For me, final thoughts on the episode is I liked it a lot. And in watching, you know, all the episodes up until now, it references almost every one of them in some way or another. And it really does well to tie it all in and bring them all full circle in a way. And, you know, this could have been the end of the season, of, or of the series, rather. But I'm glad that it wasn't. I'm glad that we get... A, another season that follows because I'm I don't know about you but I'm just I'm not ready to be done with Sherlock just yet and I know a lot of our listeners at least some of them that have reached out to me have said man when do you got to get past the Sherlock stuff I'm like hey this is good stuff just just pay attention maybe maybe you'll enjoy something uh maybe you'll if you listen to the podcasts and you like you know this British stuff's not for me I understand it may not be but again, if you watch the first episode and if you enjoy that, you'll like more of them. But if you don't, then no harm done. And I think that if you've come this far and listening to the podcast, that you may have enjoyed them, like me. So, congratulations, I guess. <laughs> uh, but you can find the show on Twitter at EntertainingPod. You can find me on Twitter at VoicedByNathan. You can find me, or the website, I should say, of the show is that's entertaining.net and you can find uh, little blurbs up there for each episode that comes up and also as Seth brought out playsomevideogames.com you can see some of my stuff over there as well so ladies and gentlemen that'll do it for us this week we thank you for listening and we hope that you have been entertained <laughs>